This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. I'd like to conclude with a few words on the Parsha, and uh, you still have enough time to go outside and uh, enjoy the shopping. In Parsha Svayetse, we see the Torah starts off, Vayetse Yaakov Beersheva, Vayel Charana. And Yaakov left Beersheva, and he went to Charan. Rashi right away questions, if the Torah tells me you just have to tell me he went to Haran. Obviously, if he went to Haran, he left Beersheva. And we know from last week's parsha that he was in Beersheva already. So why does the Torah have to add and he went out of Beersheva? Rashi explains, when a tzaddik leaves a city, it makes an impression. It leaves an impression. Why? She was Masha Tzadik Beir, as long as the Tzadik is in the city, who Haida, who Ziva, who Hadara. He is its magnificence, its splendor, and its grandeur. Yatsamisham, when he leaves there, Pana Haida, Pana Ziva, Pana Hadara. Once he leaves, its magnificence is gone, his splendor leaves, and his grandeur leaves. And therefore the Torah wants to say, Vayetzi Yaakov, of course he went to Haran, but the Vayetzi Yaakov, the leaving of Yaakov itself, made an impression. The first time I ask on this, why is it that the Torah waits all the way till Parshas Vayetze to tell us this lesson, that when a tzaddik leaves a city, it leaves an impression? This is not the first time a tzaddik leaves a city. The most obvious, of course, is Lech Lecha. Avram leaves first or Kazdim, then he leaves Haran to go to Ertisol. It just says Lech Lecha. Why doesn't the Pasuk say, Vayetze Avram, Mecharan? Why does the Torah wait all the way until Yaakov to tell us this? Or when Yitzchak goes to Gerar, the Torah just tells us he went to Gerar. The Torah doesn't tell us, Why over here? <clears throat> if you remember, a few weeks ago, we had a discussion. I'm sorry. <clears throat> a few weeks ago, <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> a few weeks ago, we had a discussion about living life. We discussed that a person shouldn't just allow life to lead him wherever it goes. Because that leads to regrets. Later on, a person says, I can't believe I didn't do this. I should have done this. I should have done that. Instead, a person should take hold of his life. And he should set goals for himself. And this way, he can accomplish what he wants to accomplish. And he won't have regrets later. I told you about this person that I read that he had a bucket list. He had something, he had a goal in life that he wanted to accomplish. And that goal was he wanted to attend a home game of every single baseball team in the National League and in the American League as well, in its hometown. You can imagine he had a map in his house with little pins on it, every city where there was a baseball team and every city that had that baseball team, he would go and make sure and knock him off as he would go, spending his time year after year making sure he gets to every single hometown game of these teams. I wonder, for him, if there was a big change in May 28th, 1957. Because that was the year where the Brooklyn Dodgers moved out of New York. And you can imagine his pain of someone like that if he would have been around at the time. Or maybe not, because the Yankees were still there. In other words, on his chart, what did he have? 
Did he have two pins by New York? Or did he have one pin by New York? He must have had two pins by New York because New York had two teams. They had the Yankees and they had the Dodgers. But in May of 1957, when the Dodgers went to L.A., and there was only one team in New York, did that change New York? And the answer, of course, is yes. For him, New York was a really, really special place because it had two teams until 1957. And then he had to wait until 1962 till the Mets showed up. In other words, a city with a baseball team is one thing. A city with two baseball teams is even better. I'm from Montreal. Montreal had a baseball team called the Expos. So it made it onto his map. A few years ago when the Expos left, Montreal falls off this person's map. Doesn't need to put a pin anymore. Now he's got to go to Miami to go to those games. In other words, a city that has one baseball team is much more important than a city that has no baseball team for him. But a city that has two baseball teams is much more important than a city that has only one. And that's what Rashi is telling us over here. As the Kliyakar explains, this is the first time a tzaddik left the city and there are still tzaddikim remaining in that city that he left from. When Yaakov and Sarah left Haran, we understand that Haran now goes down in value because there are no tzaddikim left. When Yitzchak and Rivka left to go to Gror, we understand that the value of the city went down because there are no tzaddikim left. This possibly, this is the first time that Yaakov leaves the city, Atzadik leaves the city, and there remain tzaddikim. Yitzchak and Rivka remain behind. So you may think, big deal. This city still has tzaddikim. This city is still up there with the rest of the Chashavah cities. And what Rashi is telling us, no. That every single tzaddik makes a difference. Every single tzaddik makes a reshim on the city. And therefore, the Torah is telling us over here, Dafka over here, when Yaakov leaves, it made a reshim. Ah, Yitzchak and Rivka are still there. That's true. But it makes a big difference that every single tzaddik that's there makes a big difference because every single tzaddik brings protection and blessing to that city. Which is why when we are looking for somewhere to live, when we are looking to hang out somewhere, we should also tr always try to go to where the tzaddik is. The Gemara tells us in Tveria, the Roman king wanted to buy a new crown. So he put a tax on the town. And as we're figuring out how everyone has to pay, Rebbe was there and Rebbe said, everyone has to pay for this tax except for the Talmud HaChachamim. Why don't the Talmud HaChachamim have to pay? Because they don't need the protection. Their learning brings protection. Well, the people were not very happy with this. And they said, well, if the Talmud HaChachamim, as there were many in Tveria, if they don't have to pay, we, we're going to leave, we're going to run away. And Rebbe said, do what you want, the Talmud HaChacham don't have to pay. And sure enough, the Gemara tells us, half the town ran away from Tveria. At that point, the king sends a letter, he's waiting for his taxes. He didn't give up. And the remaining people came to Rebbe and says, Rebbe, we're fewer people now. We definitely need the Talmud HaChachamim to participate. And Rebbe said, no, the Talmud HaChacham don't have to. And he said, we're also going to run away. And Rebbe said, do what you want. The Talmud Chacham don't have to pay. And they also ran away. 
everyone ran away except for one person who owned the laundromat. The laundromat guy, he stays, he comes to Rebbe, he says, Rebbe, what now? I can't pay it all by myself, me and all the Tamidah Chachamim. And Rebbe said, no, the Tamidah Chachamim don't have to pay. So this laundromat person says, I'm also going to leave. And he ran away also from Tveria. At that moment, the only people remaining in Tveria were the Tamidah Chachamim. But Rebbe wasn't surprised a little later when a letter came from the king rescinding the tax completely. And Rebbe said, you see from here that Tamidah Chachamim, they bring protection to the city and therefore they don't need to pay for this protection. I heard a story from a friend of mine's father who was learning at MTJ, where Moshe Feinstein. He was there in the base Medrash when all of a sudden a Bacha comes running inside and says, Rebbe, there's been an accident outside. Someone's hurt. A boy's hurt. And Moshe said, okay, he should be okay. And he continued learning. He said, Rebbe, shouldn't we say till him? He said, no. Guy goes outside, he sees the kids hurt, they're waiting for an ambulance to come. He was hit by his bike, by a car, fell off his bike, he's lying on the sidewalk, there's blood. He runs back to Ramesh, he says, maybe we should say Tillam. Ramesh looks at him and says, we don't stop learning to say Tillam for a non-Jewish child. We're in the middle of learning. So he says, Rebbe, he's a Jewish child. Ramesh looks at him and says, no he's not. Person runs back outside and he sees the kids over there. The yamke is on the floor, in, in the blood. He runs back to Ramesh and says, "Rabbi, the child's a Jew's child. They see his yamke." Ramesh looks at him and says, "We're not stopping to learn. We're not stopping our learning to say tilim for a non-Jewish child." Person didn't know what to say. Goes back outside. Finally, the ambulance comes. They take the child away. And it was only a few minutes later until they heard the whole story. It seems like there was this kid riding his bike and he saw two Jewish kids walking two blocks earlier and this kid went and as he's riding his bike he grabbed the yarmulke of one of the kids and he kept on riding, holding this yarmulke in his hand and two blocks later in front of MTJ a car by mistake hit him. The person came back inside to Rav Maisha and he apologized profusely to Rav Maisha that he questioned the Rosh Hashiva. And Rav Meisha said, first of all, there's nothing wrong with saying Tillam for a non-Jewish child, but not in the middle of Seder. And number two, and to answer the person's question, how the Rosh Hashiva knew that the child wasn't Jewish, he said, we're sitting here learning Torah. There's no way that an accident could have happened right outside the Yeshiva to his Jewish child if we're sitting here learning Torah. Because that is the power of learning. That is the power of a tzaddik. And therefore, a person should try to always be in the presence of a tzaddik. Because even if he himself doesn't deserve that protection, he comes under the cloud of that tzaddik. Have a wonderful Shabbos. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.